Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. This is The Art of Awesome, episode number 96. Now your heart rhythms are also intimately linked to your breath rhythm. So when you breathe in an erratic way, it can actually cause um, issues with your heart rhythms. Because every time you breathe in, your heart rate goes up a bit. Every time you breathe out, your heart rate goes down a bit. And your blood flow, actually, if you have a jittery breath, the blood flow can become jittery as well. Instead of being a smooth flow, it can actually spur a little bit, right? Mm -hmm. This, all this affects your inner workings of your physiology. It will affect your mood. It will affect your, your ability to get energy to where it needs to go and your ability to think clearly, emotions, all of that. That's what I'm talking about. Wait. Okay, now, from the beginning. Hit it, boys. Welcome to the Art of Awesome. My name is Nick Troutman, and I'm a professional athlete, entrepreneur, family man, and adventure seeker. My goal is to share with you stories, knowledge, and inspiration as we continue on the journey together, searching for that secret sauce to producing awesome results in everyday life. Thanks for spending some time with me today, and let's get to it. Welcome back, everyone, to The Art of Awesome. I am your host, Nick Troutman, and this is the show where we search for that secret sauce to success and the difference between the average and the awesome. Today is Monday, so we've got another deep dive interview with you guys, uh, a little bit longer than normal because it was just such a phenomenal conversation, and I am so excited to share it with you guys. Today, I got to speak with the renegade pharmacist, Niraj Nayak, and what an amazing conversation it was. Niraj is a natural healer who has been trained as a pharmacist and then later on in life uh, diagnosed with this so-called incurable disease and through that he did a deep dive into learning all about self-healing, um, natural treatments, dietary recommendations, meditation, yoga, mind power, all sorts of amazing stuff and was able to essentially cure himself. So what an incredible story that is on its own but through all of this self-healing and cure that he did on his own he was able to rediscover this breath practice which combines the ancient wisdoms of pranayama and modern science and kind of create his own soma breath practice which we talk a lot about and just the power of breath the power of self healing and uh it's i mean honestly i can't even go through all the different things that we talk about in this in this conversation in this episode uh it was just so thought provoking and honestly this is one of my most favorite conversations and podcast episodes to date which says a lot being that we're coming up on episode 100. So very, very interesting conversation. And again, I can't wait to share it with you. So let's go ahead and dive right into it. Here is Niraj Nayak. Well, first off, uh, Niraj, thank you so much for joining me and welcome to the Art of Awesome podcast. Absolute pleasure to be here. So you are a natural healer. Uh, you've been trained as a pharmacist and then, and then later on in life, uh, you were diagnosed with this incurable disease, and you kind of dove into um, learning about self-healing and a combination of natural treatments with diet, 
uh, meditation, yoga, mind power, like NLP and such like that. Um, and you're now known as the renegade pharmacist. You've got a, a whole breath practice that we're going to dive into later that, that is very intriguing. Um, but you've just got this really interesting story. So can you kind of start off by telling us a bit about your back history and how you became known as this renegade pharmacist? Yes, yeah, certainly. So I actually used to be a um, pharmacist years ago, community pharmacist. Uh, I worked around seven years as one. Um, and that's where I really got a taste of my own medicine, as it were, because um, firstly, like, for those of you who don't know what it's like working in a pharmacy, it's, it's you're pretty much in the UK, I don't know what it's like in America, but I expect it's pretty similar. You're just dishing out pills all day long without much thought about it. Um, you know, you're checking that it's all right, but you're just literally, you're just sending out pills all day long. And I didn't quite understand that. Like, you know, I, I didn't think that health was represented by um, how, mu how much you rattle when you walk, right? I thought, uh, you know, really the idea would be to have less pills or no pills and be healthy. And actually be our job is to get people temporarily taking these things to relieve whatever symptom, but long-term, they shouldn't have to depend on them. Whereas the industry is completely the other way around and people are taking stacks of pills for their whole life. So some scientists and doctors would argue that that's like um, progress, right? And other scientists and doctors would say, this is just disgraceful. And, you know, there's the Hippocratic Oath, first do no harm, and let food be thy medicine, and all of these mantras that doctors are supposed to abide by that are not being followed anymore. So, you know, there's two schools of thought. And I am definitely on the, on the side where, you know, we have thousands and thousands of years of wisdom of ancient practices where we were never dependent on drugs like Ayurveda, Chinese medicine, um, and, you know, there was in the Ayurvedic system, which is actually a very, very intricate and elaborate medical system um, that has all of the components that you have in modern medicine from surgery to, uh, you know, to using things like herbal medicines or even like chemical medicines, but they are a last resort. But in Ayurveda, you have the lifestyle factors, disease, diet breathing, pranayama, yoga, they're all part of it. Even like fasting according to the moon, you know, it's all part of a, a system of wellness, which is very, very um, intricate and, uh, you know, actually can be a bit confusing. So maybe that's another reason why people don't follow it. Um, but basically, we already have cultures that, aren't reliant on lots of medications. And so I actually, I had no idea about any of this, this, uh, this existed. I, you know, at pharmacy school, you're not really taught much about diet, nutrition or anything like that. And uh, so I was working with pharmacy and then I basically just had a bit of a breakdown myself. I was trying really hard to, to do whatever I could to, to to change my profession for something else because I just didn't feel right. But something kept drawing me back into it. But in the end, I had a bit of a breakdown. I went to a Tony Robbins event. Um, you know, it wasn't something that I was automatically drawn to. I was like literally dragged to it. 
but it was the first time I ever heard anyone talk about diet, nutrition, lifestyle factors for preventing disease. And I was blown away and I was like, well, look, I have a pharmacy where I can actually test this out on people. And, um, you know, I can see if Tony Robbins is full of shit or not. So that's literally what I embarked on doing. And um, I had amazing results in the pharmacy. Just all I did was change diet from a processed food diet to just normal food. You'd be surprised at how many people eat just things that are in packets, fizzy drinks, come in, you know, bottles and don't have natural stuff in their, in their diet. So just making that shift had a dramatic change in people's health. And I actually even had doctors calling me up going, this is amazing. What is this? This is like, how are you doing? This is a miracle. I was like, look, it's really simple. I, don't, I can't believe you're not doing it yourself. You know, this guy's drinking 15 cups of coffee a day with three spoons of sugar in it. Of course, he's going to eat all these heart meds. And then doctors are, oh, yeah. Um, so just by switching that for, you know, like tea made from fresh lemon and hot water, that was enough for this guy because he just loved the sensation of hot water. Hmm. Didn't care if it tastes like coffee or lemon, right? He just, he just needed that and soothing and he worked into yep. it the day. So just making that switch made a huge difference in people. So, you know, so I was, I was doing that for a while. And then um, uh, what happened was eventually I got promoted to the head office of a big supermarket chain in the UK. Uh, whole long story how that happened, but I ended up carrying out this healthy shopping list service because I devised this simple way of giving shopping lists to people um, so they know what to buy, you know, informed you know, choice uh, on their diet. And actually, uh, it was going to get through, but then six months into it, boom, they decided to shelve it. And I just lost all my faith in humanity at that point. And boom, I got hit with a disease myself, ulcerative colitis, which was probably a combination of years of, you know, destroying my body at university with alcohol and all kinds of nonsense, late nights and stress, working in this job. But then also the fear and disillusionment of, just the way of life I had gone, you know, the hole that I'd gone into. Because I actually had a big shift in my life. I went from actually running my own um, big music events in university. That was what I thought I was going to be, was a DJ and a musician. To then being in this little cage in a pharmacy. Because that didn't quite work out as it should have. I learned, I made a lot of mistakes, but boom, I end up in a pharmacy now. And... Um, and then what happened was that I ended up literally just having a huge breakdown and got this disease, which literally makes you shit like 40 times a day, blood. Wow. So you, you don't want to go out. So I was like, you know, I was too embarrassed to go anyway because you're scared you're going to shit yourself. This is also a pious. And literally um, that, that left me almost housebound for a year. And it was through that journey where I... Um, well, literally, I got given choice. You know, you either have your polar removed or there was one drug that was coming on out that hadn't been tested before. Did you want to be a part of this experimental drug trial? And I was like, no. But then, luckily, they say God stands with gift of desperation. At that moment, this lady who's an amazing woman, she runs a traditional yoga association, yoga teacher in the UK, Swami Amakananda. She said, um, if you could heal yourself from this, you're going to be an amazing role model to other people. 
because she had seen my, um, you know, my um, enthusiasm in, in getting people off the medications. And she said, look, you've got a chance to be your own patient now. And if you can heal yourself uh, using these practices, you know, that you have in, in yoga, Ayurveda, Pranayama, which I hadn't really gone deep into at all. I had just been focused on diet because it's, it's all, you don't have much time to teach somebody yoga routines in the pharmacy, right? Right. But, um, but you have got time to change somebody's food, which is much easier to do. And, um, but then she taught me pranayama, which is the system of breathing techniques, energy moving techniques from yoga, core part of yoga, which has been kind of, either misinterpreted or forgotten about in mainstream yoga. We can go into why. Uh, but basically, that was the first real shift, was the breathing techniques. And I just felt an instant change. I also discovered a book called um, jo uh, The Power of Your Subconscious Mind by Dr. Joseph Murphy. Um, and he actually used to be a pharmacist as well. He's, this was in the 40s or something it was written. And he actually was a Christian pastor and he was very much into christian science but he also was a chinese doctor and ayurvedic doctor and he fused both worlds together so imagine he's a pharmacist ayurvedic doctor chinese doctor christian uh scientist and a pharmacist so that's, amazing that's quite the combination yeah yeah and i think he was a musician as well so wow. it's very spookily similar to to me in a way because i actually had a, I felt a lot of wisdom from both sides. Like I, you know, I felt there was more similarities between Christianity and Hinduism uh, than there was differences. But anyway, um, so he brought these two worlds together and he created this system of scientific prayers, which is a way to reprogram the unconscious mind, the subconscious mind, using affirmation, visualization, and using it in a trance state, which is the state of prayer in a sanctuary for yourself to be able to go deep and reprogram the mind and um so i actually naturally got drawn to places like the sauna and using these breath techniques with like visualization like i was getting some really profound like effects on calming the symptoms down of colitis and that also triggered and a bit of an awakening in my mind to go even deeper down the rabbit hole for these techniques. So I started to explore um, other, you know, aspects of Ayurveda, different pranayama techniques, going deeper into that, going deep into the science as well. And I discovered things like colostrum for gut healing, which is an ancient food. Um, well, it's not an ancient, it's, it's been used by the ancients, but it's a food that we all consume. It's the first food we used when we were born. First, first milk, mother, right? The first milk. But the yeah. cow's colostrum has the same translation to humans and it's a thousand times more potent. And the, and the cow makes four times the amount the calf needs. So it makes an abundance of it. Humans don't make enough sometimes for, of colostrum. So you don't want to get human colostrum because babies need it. But cows make an abundance. And it's one of the reasons cows are holy in India, even though they forgot about it. Um, is because all the holy sweets were made from colostrum. And colostrum was also um, something the Ayurvedic practitioners would use 
to treat patients. And it was like a bit of a miracle. And there's certain cultures, like Swedish, Viking cultures, they were also big in costume. And, you know, you can tell a lot about history from, from things that people would take traditionally, right, as medicine. Yeah. And the fact that the Swedes were using it and India and the Aryan invasion, you may have heard of that. And you could kind of argue that maybe the Swedish, the Nordics were the ones who brought this Ayurvedic practices. There's a theory that that's what happened. There's also hmm. a theory that they came and they discovered it from India and they took it up north. But, you know, there is some weird similarities between Viking mythology and cultures and practices and the Indians. So wow. it's completely opposite people, blonde hair, tall, blue eyed, and little brown people. They have a lot of similarities. And at some point, maybe they, they did, you know, intermix. But um, basically, so, uh, so I discovered things like this. Uh, and uh, in Ayurveda, disease often begins with the guts. And, you know, somehow they knew that there was a consciousness of the gut. And then we have consciousness that, that actually surrounds us in different layers of, of consciousness, intelligence. And science now shows us that we have a gut microbiome layer that surrounds us. Like an, it's almost like our own like bacterial auric field of yep. consciousness. And these bacterial cells work in harmony with our human cells. So there's a symbiosis, right? And these are different layers of mind. Okay, so there is the, you know, according to yoga, there is the mind in, in our head, right? The brain in our head. But so then, but then there's a mind that's beyond our body. So the body is in the mind, but the mind is not in the body. Do you get what I'm saying? Is, is, and, that, is that in similarity yeah. to the soul or is that something totally different? So there's different layers of this consciousness. And um, I believe from the way I interpret it and our new science is emerging that, that um, that there is a, an intelligent consciousness intelligence that is bacterial flora and mm. that is a part of your mind too so who are you really and what is your where is your mind the, the funny saying is never mind because we have no idea what is the mind we don't know really know what the soul is there is interpretations of it but we're so complicated right that um you can't say that it's our brain that is us right there's a part of us that is our ego mind in the brain the new default mode network which we talk about in a bit but then there's all these different other layers of consciousness right and if that bacterial intelligence goes which happens to me right then you get sick so we have to take into account all of these factors in healing and another thing according to the ayurvedic system is that uh disease is a spiritual disturbance okay now this is really important to understand that what does spiritual actually mean spiritual comes from the latin root word espiritu breath breath so spiritual actually means to breathe hmm. okay and breath espiritu also means uh, like spirit energy life all right, so the breath is so intricately linked, intimately linked to your thoughts, 
and life itself. Remember, what's the first thing that happens when you breathe? When, you, when you're born, you breathe in. What happens when you die? You breathe out. You expire. You inspire. First thought comes. Expire. The last thought leaves. Hmm. Right. Yeah. So the thought is intricately linked to the breath, and a spiritual disturbance. Right. What it does. And this is also backed up a lot by Buteyko, who's an amazing Russian uh, doctor. He was one of the first uh, real deep scientists to, who interpreted the yogic text how they should. He went into yoga and pranayama to heal himself of hypertension and uh, created the Buteyko method. It's a very popular method all around the world. Um, loads of amazing studies. And he was the first one to show um, that when you get stressed, you overbreathe. Your breathing becomes erratic and, and fast. And you tend to overbreathe. And what happens? And breath is the fastest way to change your physiological state. It's almost instant. Within seconds, you can change your, your emotional state, right? Yeah. So when you overbreathe, what happens is you breathe out too much carbon dioxide. And according to the Vedic system, like prana. Prana is carbon dioxide, okay? Hmm. The reason why is because it's essential to have the right balance of carbon dioxide to get oxygen into your cells, from your blood cells into your body tissue cells, okay? It's essential that you have uh, carbon dioxide at the right level. But every time you breathe out, what do you breathe out? Breathe out carbon dioxide. So if you breathe out faster, right, then you actually should because you're breathing at a faster rate than your body actually needs to, right? And that happens because you're stressed, you're excited, right? Things like that. Talking causes over-breathing, all right? It makes you feel a bit lightheaded. What happens is you're breathing out a lot of oxygen at a fast rate, and the oxygen, uh, sorry, the carbon dioxide, you're breathing out at a fast rate, and the oxygen that goes into your red blood cells needs the carbon dioxide present. It's called a Bohr effect for the oxygen to come off red blood cells and go into your body tissue cells. So, wow. so what happens as well is when you breathe erratically, when you're stressed, your breath may become stuttery, jittery, okay, naturally. Like if you do a graph, instead of it being a smooth sine wave, it may go jagged like this, right? Curve of inhale. Exhale, right? Now your heart rhythms are also intimately linked to your breath rhythm. So when you breathe in an erratic way, it can actually cause um, issues with your heart rhythms. Because every time you breathe in, your heart rate goes up a bit. Every time you breathe out, your heart rate goes down a bit. And your blood flow, actually, if you have a jittery breath, the blood flow can become jittery as well. Instead of being a smooth flow, it can actually spur a little bit, right? Mm. This, all this affects your inner workings of your physiology. It will affect your mood. It will affect your, your ability to get energy to where it needs to go and your ability to think clearly, emotions, all of that. Congestion, you know, people feeling all stuffy and mucusy. All of these things can be a result of over-breathing and erratic breathing, right? And that is because your mind, if it becomes stressed and erratic, you're thinking then, because your, your, your breath is something that runs on autopilot, but also something you can consciously control. 
right? If you have this erratic thinking, right, and your reptilian brain, which deals with your autonomic involuntary functions, like your heart rate, your, your digestion, your immune system, all the things that we take for granted, um, which if it didn't, we wouldn't be able to have a conscious experience of life, right? But your reptilian brain is, is all it cares about is survival. So if it feels like there's a threat all the time, if you have been programmed by society even to see the whole world as a threat nonstop because of the media, TV, the um, you know, friends putting you down all the time, or these belief systems, if you're not good enough, you're not good enough, I'm not enough. All of this stuff makes you eventually breathe erratically, overbreathe, and that causes stress on the body. And what you get is this problem of oxygen, not going to where it needs to go, but to stay stuck to your red blood cells, which then causes oxidative stress and a whole host of other inflammatory issues, which then leads to a breakdown of the whole physiology, stress, chronic stress, and then disease. And you can get degenerative disease also new. And, and, also the, and basically you age faster. You know, wow. people who are very stressed out, you see they age much quicker. People who are calm, relaxed, just go easy going through life, they live longer. The ones who are more optimistic about life, the studies show very clearly they live much longer than those who are pessimistic and, and think the world's out to get them, right? So, so they were correct, right, in saying the disease is a spiritual disturbance, right? So what's the first thing you do in Ayurveda? You actually prescribe um, breathing practices from pranayama, yogic techniques to still the mind, right? That's what yoga is really about, it's about stealing the mind, stealing, stilling the mind and creating a union between what you want from the inside and the outer world and the environment and having a sense of peace between yourself and the environment. And then they have dietary uh, recommendations, ex, you know, different ways to to um, act, to do, to find your dharma, your your life path, right? It's all part of the system of Ayurveda to bring back healing, so that you breathe in a calm, relaxed, smooth way that actually then leads to your body becoming better and healing itself. So that's why it's a holistic thing, and your breath is such an important part of it, and so intimately linked. Um, and it's not just some woo-woo thing to do with God or anything like that. It's actually something that we can explain in a very grounded scientific level. Right? So what I've tried to do now is, because this is what worked for me, is to demystify all of this stuff and actually make it more easy to understand these profound you know, uh, ideas and wisdom from these ancient practices which can often get dogmatized and get confused i like to now try and make it understand like we just did make it clearer for for the everyday person to kind of understand yeah exactly so is is that that's essentially the birth then of your soma breath practice is that correct exactly so that's what led us to evolving some breath into the school that it is today. That's um, amazing. You know, so what happened was as well, it's a big part of this, which I kind of missed out, was the music side. So another core component of yoga, actually, and Ayurvedic 
practices is the use of music as a therapeutic tool. So ancient you know, people have been using music therapeutically for, you know, for right from the beginning of mankind's civilization. And they would use like drums, rhythms, and then people would breathe as well, according to those rhythms. And um, so even like if you, if you look at the ancient the mantras, like the Bija mantras, the way you say those, those hymns, or that say like Aum in certain ways, what you're doing is you're actually rhythmically breathing. You're hmm. saying those words and you start to create a rhythmic breath. And each one of those words, the way you say it, has an effect with your breath and the rhythm of how you say it on your whole nervous system physiology. So these mantras were magical in nature, but they also worked on a, phys- you, know, on a you could see on a physiological level. So, wow. so music and rhythmic music and using the right kind of melodies and tones um, is a big part. And me being a music producer, I was naturally drawn to music. And what I realized was that actually, um, so I got really into brainwave entrainment music as a way to calm the brainwaves down and take your turn off the stress. But what I realized is when you combine the breath patterns so there's one breathing pattern, which we've got, we've made it really popular, is the extended exhalation, where you double your exhale time versus your inhale time. When you keep that rhythm going, right? So if you breathe out for four seconds, in for two seconds, out for four, in for two, in a rhythm, right? It actually switches off the sympathetic and switches on parasympathetic. When you breathe in that rhythm, you do some smooth, deeper breaths, right? You do it for several minutes. Not only do you switch off the parasympathetic, but actually you are in a way over breathing. You're breathing out carbon dioxide. What that allows you to do is it then allows you to hold your breath for quite long periods of time, much longer than you ever think you could. And actually free divers do this technique where you do slow inhale, so two in, four out, or they'll do four in, eight out. Or they'll do these long uh, rhythmic breaths, but always extend the exhalation. This is something I found out later on when I came to Thailand and went free diving. I was like, wow, they're using pranayama techniques to hold their breath for long periods. Well, what that does is it allows you to go really deep into these states of meditation. When you hold your breath after the exhale, right, we press pause on life. It's like pressing pause on life because you're, your life, your the thoughts, right? And your life, basically are just a series of inhales and exhales, right? And when you press pause on, on your breath, you press pause on life for a moment. And it's really hard to actually think, right? When you pause after the exhale, okay? Thoughts calm right down. And we've shown this, that your ego mind, the mind that worries, right, a lot, the one that, that's the one that's part of your body. Okay, the ego brain, that's the default mode network. That is, that's basically the, the, the hard disk and the operating system of your mind, okay? Um, so let's say your, your, um, you know, your physical body is the hard disk, the mind of the default mode network, which deals with worrying about the past, worrying about the future is like the operating system, okay? It's the monkey mind, it's the, it's the voice in the head that says I'm not good enough or, judges other people 
or just can't forgive someone or get so scared of like, you know, the tax returns and all that stuff. Um, that's the part that actually also affects, if you don't take conscious control of it, your breathing makes it go around. It's the reptilian brain. So when you hold your breath after the exhalation like that, you calm the activity down of this region of the brain right down, right? Because your breath is stopped. But that, what that allows you to do then is to allow the other parts of the layers of the mind to have a stronger like presence. And this is when you go into deep meditation, where you go into other layers of mind and consciousness. And through that, you can use visualization or um, your own affirmation, or just simply trusting the process, because I've created a technique which does this for you, so you can just be completely passive, right? What happens is it, you can repattern, reformat this ego mind, right? And the ego has been developed from years of conditioning, first seven years of your life, right? And this is the, the part of the brain as well, the hypnotherapist program, plant suggestions into it. And it's what creates your identity, your sense of self. And according to like, you know, some of the old amazing uh, kind of therapists like Wilhelm Reich and people like that, who did a lot of this um, understanding of mind-body connection techniques, uh, you know, the, your, your disease is a result of your character that forms from the ego, right? Hmm. And in order to shake off that disease, right, we need to change the character. So, so what you're doing is you're, you're literally transforming someone's brain into a whole new person that's based on their true will. The true will is based on the other layers of mind, the soul, or whatever you want to call it. But the layers of mind that aren't affected by the life events, but is based on pure fundamental truths of love, compassion, joy, connection, and things like that. And that's our true will. That's our true will. That's what we really want. We want to be, you know, in a harmonious environment. That's what our original place was, that where we came from, you know. We came into this world where we became judgmental and fearful, right? And that's due to other layers of the mind forming on a physical level. So we can reprogram that using these tools, and that's what we've developed. Um, but it's based on ancient practice and, you know, the power from just mind, Joseph Murphy, scientific prayers. And I'm saying the results with prayer are like, boom, like, astonishing. So, that's amazing. You know, yeah, that combination of rhythmic breathing and holding your breath um, is, is magic. Yeah. Wow. So breath work in general, as of, you know, somewhat as of lately, has become way more mainstream than, you know, in years past anyway. There's there's like master classes on it and books and different programs. I'm uh, a good friend of yours, uh, Wim Hof, you know, has his whole Wim Hof breathing as well and stuff like that. What kind of makes, and you kind of explain it a little bit, but just to clarify for, for the listeners out there, what makes Soma breath different than all the other, you know, breath work or just different practices out there? Okay, well, with Soma breath, we um, aren't just one technique. There's a variety of different techniques. So it's really like a pharmacy, a library of go-to techniques for different uses. So 
If you want to sleep, there's a method for that. If you want to improve your digestion, method for that. If you want to kill bad bacteria in your gut, there's a method for that. If you want to um, get energy, right? If you want to improve your, your longevity, all these techniques are there um, for that. Decongestion nose and things like that. So it's really like a pharmacy of different techniques with some uh, daily routines you can do every day that, that gives you a dose of, of um, health benefits and spiritual benefits. So that's why we're different. Like most of the other things are like, they tend to revolve around one technique. I try to, through pranayama, bring all of that wisdom together into a system of different methods. And then we also go into more somatic techniques. So remember, like pranayama isn't just breathing exercises. There's also energy moving exercises. So there's the use of the breath with asana that has been ignored a bit in mainstream yoga. So we, you, we talk, we explain that a lot and how to really move energy using different po poses and postures. But then there's also the, the lifestyle factors, so diet, sleep, uh, nutrition is much more of a holistic training that we teach our instructors. We have, you know, over a thousand five hundred, I think, instructors now wow. um, around the world delivering techniques. But it's really it's breath based, so it's the breath is the core. But there's so much more to it because we also what we create is one practice, which we call it it's the soma within. It's the soma awakening technique. But it's one practice is designed to wake up the soma within. The soma within is the, the bliss that, so, you know, like people go to do ay ayahuasca mushrooms or they take other things to make them feel good, right? And according yeah. to legend, right, um, in the Rig Veda, which is the ancient text, um, there's 50,000 references to soma, a substance which nobody can really firmly say what it is. Some people say it's a mushroom, others say it's ephedrine, um, others say it's um, uh, cannabis. And there's all these different ideas, but no one can really say what it is, uh, but it's a substance. And so I would argue it's something that they, they consume from the body of other people, right? Because the Rig Veda is a weird book. It's full of weird sacrificial like practices and all sorts of stuff. But um, what happened was these yoke, these rishis, these ancient uh, gods on earth who were in the golden age were addicted to soma. They were addicted to soma and they basically, it, it gave them immortality. It gave them um, divine connection to, to God um, and many other things. And so they were obsessed with this soma, right? But then the soma runs out, okay? It's, it either gets controlled or starts to run out. And this is actually when Buddha and people like, like that nature came about and said, look, we must learn to create the soma from within, right? We must create the bliss from within to break our addiction to external things. And if you look at our reality right now, we are, um, surrounded by these external somas. So, you know, prescription medications for your health, uh, TV for entertainment, you know, uh, gold watches for material 
know, pleasure and all of that stuff. So we're so dependent on this. And so many people get into debt as well to maintain this lifestyle of dependence. The idea was that with, uh, so with these ancient gods, rishis were trying to do was break their addiction. They, they were so addicted that they were like, well, we must figure out how to go within and create soma from within. And that was the origin then of tantric yoga and all these practices that were designed for you to basically create the bliss from within. And there was one practice which I believe um, really evolved from this, which is breath, breath work. The origin forms of breath work and certain techniques where you're holding your breath that will create this tryptamine effect, DMT-like effect from within. It would give you this incredible um, connection to the divine, right? Wow. And when I started to go into doing, so I, I, I live on a pretty hippie island and I got in quite involved in the tantric world and there's a lot of breathwork practices in tantra. By doing that, um, and also the inspiration from Wim Hof as well, um, I realized that actually with music and rhythmic breathing and breath retention, we could create like ayahuasca-like trips or DMT-like effects, but also in a way that's controlled, but then also leads to health benefits because you're using this technique of kumbaka, breath retention, which is for all these health benefits. And I started to do these practices and it started with a few people on the beach and it turned into like a hundred people, then 200 people, and then going around the world, like places like Mind Valley events, doing it with like four or 500 people, big stage, doing it in like cinemas with um, headsets, like psychedelic mushroom trips, all kinds of crazy stuff we're doing and experiments with breath and music. Wow. And what happened was so many people at these workshops I was giving, came up to me asking me, how do I do what you just did? Because I would combine guided imagery and affirmation and visualization tools into a whole sequence that will take people into these like orgasmic DNT, like, profound states of consciousness. Like, and people who had come to these workshops would go into other breathwork workshops in the past and say, I've never done, and this is like, beats everything else I've ever done. So I, for a while, I shied away because I was so involved in, I had a website called The Renegade Pharmacist that was quite popular and I had this music therapy business, you know, with simple breathing techniques. I shied away from actually teaching people this breathwork technique until too many people kept asking me. And then I decided, right, well, let's do a course. And, and then that evolved into then bringing in all the other techniques that I have. But what, what, what it started off with, Soma Breath, was revolving around this therapeutic practice, which we had a little scientific study done on, which showed that actually the brain map studies, we were creating the same changes in the brain as a dose of, of psilocybin that would be used um, therapeutically for severe depression. Wow. Also, the same thing with MDMA. So the neuroscientist who did the study, Jeff Tarrant, was like blown away and said, look, this is just for the 22-minute session. Imagine what your longer sessions would do with your guided imagery for changing, reformatting the brain. So that was very encouraging. 
and um, we were, we were actually trying to get funds for a wider study of this. Um, but yeah, that made me realize that this is a really powerful therapeutic tool you use every day as part of your daily routine. But in order to make that technique more profound and the experience of it more profound, you need the right way to eat according to your energy type, your Ayurvedic energy type, your right lifestyle exercise routines, and you need to take care of your thoughts and your sense of um, where you are in your environment, you know, how you view the world and reality. So I decided to make a very holistic school where our breath instructors will teach you this core routine that you can do for yourself, all right? But then how to go really deep on it with all these extra layers. And then we also bring in these ancient practices, shamanic, like transformative tools that within like 10 minutes, you can remove somebody's emotional blocks from the past, from the first seven years of implementing. Literally like a software programmer, you can go into somebody's mind. They're not, you're not even actually, because that's why I call them instructors. They're not doing anything actually. They're teaching the person to do it to themselves, the, hmm. the client to do it to themselves. And so it's not like we're healers, they're the healers, right? Clients the healer. And within 10, 15 minutes, we had one guy who had serious erectile dysfunction, right? And had really bad relationship with, with um, sex, basically. He just couldn't have an intimate sexual relationship. He came to our retreat did this technique on him. And during that retreat, he got laid. He couldn't believe it the first time. And, you know, the whole thing is like, he, he was very open about it. He loves to talk about it. So but we have amazing stories like that. You know, people relieving chronic pain because all of these things that happen in our past, these traumatic events, affect your breathing. If your breathing goes erratic and you over-breathe, what happens is if you don't get blood flow, to where it needs to go, like, right? So when you slow breathing down and you train people to have better carbon dioxide tolerance, be able to handle carbon dioxide like to the levels that you should to get that oxygen flowing and the blood flow moving. And there's carbon dioxide as a dilator, it dilates your blood vessels. Nitric oxide as well, very core ingredient. And when you teach people how to, to, to create that themselves, but also to calm the breathing down because Quite often people's breathing is messed up because of something that happened in the past. With these, with these practices, these, these um, like rewiring patterns, right? Literally within 10, 15 minutes, somebody can change their breathing, like, and their relationship with the past, make peace with it. And then basically everything changes. And then suddenly blood goes to where it needs to go. Things start to grow, right? Erectile dysfunction disappears. But also chronic pain is caused by chronic tension. Where does chronic tension come from? Again, when you over-breathe, you mess up. The, the, uh, you, you get ox too much oxygen in your bloodstream, right? For too long. What happens, and you don't have enough carbon dioxide, you get constriction, contraction. So your blood vessels actually narrow. You get tension in the body. What that means is that then you get pain because your muscles get rigid. You get stiff and you get stiff. You can't move through life in, a, in your flow, in your element. So that leads to then chronic pain. 
and diminished blood flow, and then chronic pain can then tension can lead to then um, disease as well, like because the cells aren't getting the blood flow that it needs. So with these techniques of just repatterning the past, making peace of the past, client can suddenly get blood flow going to areas that they've never gone before. And you can even wake up parts of the mind that have just been suppressed. Because if you don't get optimum blood flow to your brain, parts of the mind, function of the mind, get suppressed because you're not getting blood flow to those regions. Soon as you use some of these techniques, you get maximum blood flow going back to the brain. Boom, things light up. Like different cognitive abilities um, appear that you may have had suppressed from layers of conditioning. So, yeah, so, you know, these breathing techniques we've created, we're not, it's not like I've invented anything, it all comes from, you know, ancient sources, are super profound. So our Soma Breath instructors are loving it because they're like Jedi, you know, knights right now, going out there, like, helping people heal themselves. But That's they're, amazing. They're not the healers, remember. They're, they're instructing people to do it to themselves. That's the only way to really to change things is less dependency, right? So teach a man to fish, right? They can feed themselves for a lifetime. That's, that's what we're all about. I, I love that. And it kind of goes back to your original story of, of how, you know, we get dependent on, on pills or, or pharmaceuticals or anything like that. And, and I love that instead of having someone take you through the class there you're just teaching people to heal themselves and and like you said teach a man to fish and and he can feed himself for a lifetime versus give a man a fish uh it's that's that's incredible where Naraj, where's the where can people go and check this out like if so i'm you know very intrigued i'm, I'm assuming a lot of my listeners as well if we want to take this class this course um master class whatever it might be where can we go find it so I would go to um, somabreath.com. At somabreath.com, you can actually find an instructor near you. So that's one very easy, quick way to have this experience, right? Um, and learn more about what we do. But then you can also join our free masterclass and have me explain um, everything to you. But I really recommend either doing one of our online courses. We have a breath fit course, uh, which is all about healthy breathing habits to become super fit and healthy. Uh, but then we also have the um, 21 day awakening protocol journey, which on, in 21 days, you just completely transform, you become a whole new person. And that brings in all of our techniques into a system. Um, and, you know, so pranayama means breath control or energy control. The ancients knew, so prana means energy, yama means control, they knew the breath is directly related to creating energy within, right? And according to quantum science, everything is energy. So with the breath, because respiration, oxygen plus glucose leads to carbon dioxide, water, and ATP. ATP energy is the currency of energy in the body. By controlling your breath, you control the energy within. And therefore, you control the inner world. And our inner world, we can actually control. The outer world and all the things that life throws at us, we can't control. It's impossible, right? Anyone who sells you a course saying, yes, manifest anything you want, control reality by just visualizing it, 
I think they're deluded, but we can control what life throws at us. And by control of the inner world, we can then make sense of peace with our environment. We can be comfortable wherever we are, but we can also then change our vibrational state and start to attract things that are more aligned to who we are, which is what's happened for me and many other people that I've trained with this stuff. So that's what Soma Breath instructors will train you to do. They train you to transform, right, from within, okay, not cure, right? Let's, let's be totally clear here. If you're looking for a cure, you're in the wrong place because what cures do is they bring you back to how you were before you got the disease, right? You're never going to be the same person as you were before this disease you, because that, that personality, that character, the ego mind is what created the disease in the first place. So why bring somebody back to that? You're just going to keep repeating the same thing. No, with Soma Breath, you become a whole different person. So you're really prepared for that. It's pretty powerful but you will become a better optimized version of yourself. And therefore your reality will become better and optimized and life will generally become better. And you'll just say, I love my life every day. That's, that's my real mission. It's to get everybody to say, I love my life every day and really mean it. That's really what our Soma Breath mission is. I love that. I love that a lot, and uh, I definitely love my life already, but I definitely also want to check this out and, and dive in deeper. Uh, it sounds like it's it's a great stepping stone to you 2.0 or 3.0 or wh whatever stage you're at. Uh, it's like the next level up, So, uh, and that's something that I'm personally always trying to, to work on is just figuring out how to, how to level up. So uh, yeah, I'm definitely going to be checking this out and, and highly encourage everybody else to do so with me. Um, Niraj, you have given so much nuggets of gold throughout this whole conversation. I thank you so very much. Um, and I'm, I'm trying to be cautious of your time, but so I, I'm just going to dive, uh, into the second section of the show that we call the fire round and, and throw a couple quick questions at you. If you don't mind, Niraj, do you have a favorite quote that you live by? Favorite quote? Yeah. Um, I really love, uh, you know, this, um, this just simple thing from, I got it from Dr. B.M. Hegde. He's one of the top doctors in India. Um, he says, what's the first two letters of illness? I-L. I, sorry, first oh, letter sorry. of illness. Okay, yeah, I. I, what's the first letter of, first two letters of wellness? Uh, W-E. We, right? So if you're very I-focused, you're full of like ego and you know you, you basically uh just think of self okay that leads to illness that's when you get disease wellness starts from thinking about we and you can see you know already from the cultures that live the longest they're the most social into old age and then most uh part of a community and they don't have all of the feeling of loneliness and um, isolation as those who are very eye focused and unfortunately like western society has become very much about the eye right and we need to bring back some of that we like we still need to have a sense of self as well self-worth so yeah i really believe that the community is the cure to a lot of the the issues of the, the world and but a real sense of community, really like 
understanding everybody's differences, uh, backgrounds, and, and being able to learn and to celebrate life together without conflicts and like petty kind of uh, issues, uh, you know. So unfortunately, that's what I think um, has been lacking a lot in, in the world. Like we've become more separated become more isolated this depression is on a is a pandemic level itself and i'm really fearing that we're getting more and more isolated and not connected and that if there's more division happening rather than coming together and unity is something we need right now more than ever and you know one of the best ways to do that is to is to do something together, some a spiritual practice like breathing together. It's an amazing way to create a bond with each other, you know. And that's one of the things we've been encouraging, you know, like is um, different practices for breath, for dance, to come together as a community. And this is one of the things we've found is, is really helping a lot of people, is this sense of community and coming together, you know. And our community is growing more and more around the world. Our instructors are forming their own little tribes wherever they go um, and welcoming everybody into it. Because what's the one thing we all have in common is we all breathe, right? That's the one thing we all in common. It unites everyone. And it's, it's the same for everybody. You breathe in a certain way, you get the same result in almost everybody. It's like it's predictable because... The breath is so intimately linked to your thoughts, your physiology. You, you, it affects everybody in almost the same way. And therefore, when you all come together and breathe together, um, you can all have that same divine experience of joy and love and connection together. And that's what spiritual practice really was about in the past, was the coming together, uniting people in the community. And that's what we need to do more. And you can either do it through what we do. There's so many different other methods out there, different things. But what I say is just the more we can all come together and let go of all of our judgments and um, fears of, of other people, the, the better society will grow and evolve. That's, that's amazing. And I, I totally agree. And um I just love the idea of that community and that that uh, togetherness. And I also just love how simple uh, that quote puts it is that I is the start of illness and we is the start of wellness. So I think together in that community, uh, we can bring more wellness into the world. And, and I just absolutely love that. Um, Niraj, do you have um, do you have a favorite book or current book that you might be reading? Yeah, yeah, there's a few uh, books I really recommend. Um, some of the most profound books, but they can be a little bit difficult to understand. Um, but about the nature of reality, right, it's a demystifying like, ancient practice and, and philosophy it would be Prometheus Rising by Robert Anton Wilson, one of the best books on, on consciousness and the nature of reality I've ever read. And there's another one called Undoing Yourself, right? Um, by Christopher Hyatt, excellent book. Uh, a lot of the stuff from Falcon Publishing is really good. Uh, so I recommend a lot of those books um, to really understand about how to reprogram yourself 
Not to, this is one of the core things people need to understand is we, we have been conditioned through the industrial age to work in a certain way, to think in a certain way, behave in a certain way that is great for consumerism. Consumerism and the God of shopping and, and um, you know, basically material wealth is what's replaced the other gods you know, that we used to believe in. Now we believe in the dollar and things like that. It's become the new religion. And um, the problem with that is that it can leave us a little bit confused and soulless and empty inside when we realize that all that material stuff doesn't really fulfill us. And then it can lead you to more stress, that constantly chasing stuff can lead you to more stress. So, um, you know, I really believe that the more we can learn, and there's so many different practices out there, different books that talk about this, to basically shake up that condition, that first seven years of your life, which really programs you. Remember, the, these companies pay billions, literally, to create adverts to program you from a young age to buy their stuff, right? And it's, they, know, they know that you're a customer for this long. So they, you know, you know, up until, they want you to be a consumer for your whole life. So they carefully orchestrate ads that creates that emotional connection between you and that product. It could be like a fizzy drink, right? For life, and you become a happy consumer for life, not knowing that you're just being addicted to a poison. Right. And that's what we need to help people break free from is those layers of conditioning. Right. Because then everything changes. When you start to think for yourself again, that's when everything changes. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And you said something there that that I haven't thought of before and that just in the consumerism and, and using the dollar, I, I'm very aware of how our society has turned into that. Um, but I've never thought of the fact that that it's almost as if it has been taught as a religion. Uh, and, and the way that you put that was just super interesting in a, in a way that I haven't thought of before. And, and you're totally right that it's, it's almost like we have been programmed to whether it be spend or whether it be just chasing that, that, uh, that dollar almost as a religion in its, in its own. So hundred percent. Yeah. What might be um, a recent lesson that you've learned, whether it be through a mistake or success? A uh, recent lesson. Um, well, it's, it's, it's quite a funny one because we've actually uh, been on quite a roll. Uh, things have been going really, really good for, for us. Uh, we all ended up like on this amazing island in Kopangan in Thailand. Uh, the whole Soma Breath core team together. We've had a lot of freedom here. Thailand's been amazing during this whole crazy moment. Um, and it's allowed Soma Breath to really come together and grow really fast into what it is now. Um, but I really believe that having a business of your own or doing something where you're self-employed, right, is one of the best learning growth tools you could ever so you know they say the, the biggest personal development tools out there are having a baby getting married right or starting a business right and um so yeah so for us like 
you learn so much when you run your own company. Yeah. And what we've really learned is um, uh, all about staying true to what you have, right? And not trying to cut corners in order to make fast profit or anything like that. For us, it's all about, you know, there's so many times you get offered this, you get um, somebody, you know, whispering in your ear, like, why do you do this? And you can easily get distracted from your truth, right? Yeah. And for me, there's been a lot of practice. As you get bigger and more popular and more successful, more crazy stuff comes at you. You know, the, the challenges get bigger, uh, but so do the rewards. So when you stay true to your path, right? And what I've really, because, you know, I could easily have gone back into my renegade pharmacist uh, days of attacking, attacking the system, right? And I tried a little bit in the beginning, but I realized that, you know, people, unfortunately, they don't have, firstly, they don't have the same uh, past experience as me. They haven't worked in the pharmacy, maybe. They haven't seen, they haven't been through disease. They haven't, um, you know, maybe read the same books or gone to the same uh, classes that I've been to in the past. So their understanding of, of, of the reality of, of pharmacy, of uh, health and things like that are going to be different to mine. And if, if somebody's source of information is solely mainstream media, it doesn't matter. And, they're, and they're, they're, they really believe in it. It doesn't matter how much other opinions you can throw at somebody, they're never going to shift or budge that opinion. It's just going to cause more conflict and tension. Right. And, you know, it's, it's really difficult on something like social media to, to really craft an opinion, right? But so in order to make sure that I don't bring down something that's so great, I pray that, that it works without, regardless of what craziness is going on in the world, I decided to just realize that actually, maybe I don't have all the answers. Maybe doctors are just trying to do the best they can, or maybe there is a crazy global conspiracy and tyranny is about to unfold on the planet in a way that has never happened before. Um, but ultimately all I can do is say my truth and, and just protect 200, all Buddha says, just what you're gonna think about is um, 200 uh, feet in front of you. That's all you can think about. That's like, if you just take care of that, your, your environment that you can influence, which is the 200 meters in front of you, whatever, 200 feet. You know what I mean? Like your little location in front of you. Yeah. That becomes, if you can take care of that, that becomes like a butterfly effect that will spread, right? But, but all you are responsible for is that. When you start to try and change the world, right? And you start attacking and attacking and all that, trying to change the world like that by posting things on social media. Um, some people are amazing at it, you know, and they can deal with all of the crazy abuse that they get uh, and the censorship and all that. And that like, amazing respect to those. I've already been through that and it's effective to a point, but I found a more effective way and that is by teaching people how to take care of themselves, be self-sufficient, to, you know, heal themselves, to 
make themselves happy, to be less dependent on stuff, to be less consumer-based, you know, and that's all I can do. And I take care of my core team, you know, my life partner, my little dog, and just do simple things like that, and boom, it's been amazing. Like, I'm, no, I'm not stressed anymore like I used to be, like worrying about what did that person say or that argument that I might have lost or won. You know, I'm just not caring about those things anymore. And life is just flowing so much smoother. I love that. And, and I love how you you put it that if you take take care of that 200 feet or 200 meters, whatever it might be, in front of you, that it has the butterfly effect. Because it, it's just such, again, a, a simple way of putting it that you're creating peace in your essential, like, your inner bubble that's, well... You also teach it with your breath work, like your inner, inner side. Um, but then e- even just by taking care of that and, and making your immediate surrounding peaceful, it's going to have that butterfly effect around the world. And, and I haven't thought of that before where it's just like focus more in the immediate surrounding. And, and I, uh, I just love the simplicity behind that. So thank you for that. Because at the beginning of the pandemic, I could see what was coming. I could see everything that's unfolding now. I could see it. It was like it was... It was like a plant, you know, in my opinion. But um, but then there was also the other side to the story, and maybe I was completely wrong, but I felt it. And um, I was trying to warn people, but people just weren't going to accept what I was saying. It was way too controversial, you know. And so I left that to other people to do. I'm not going to fight those battles. Um, I just stick with our truth. And, you know, I'm way less stressed. I sleep way better at night. And I have amazing friends and family and people stuff. And, you know, and it's making a huge, we're making a huge shift in another way. And you have to have faith that, that you do your little bit will have a knock on effect. And it's the faith, keeping the faith. Unfortunately, people are too easy to give up faith yeah. in the future. People become confused because the media is saying one thing, politicians say another thing, but then the you know, the people that they respect are saying another thing. And people are getting confused. It's like, well, who's lying here? Who's telling the truth? And it's really, I mean, it's a very confusing time right now. I don't blame anyone for being completely scared and confused right now. It's, I have been, and I still am sometimes totally baffled at how have we ended up like this? This is crazy. But I'm just having faith and keeping optimistic that we will go through this. Because life is a pendulum, right? When it goes to the dark, right? However it swings, how much it swings to the dark, it has to go back to that equal and opposite light. I really believe in that pendulum. So, and also wherever there's incredible darkness, there is an equal and opposite uh, pendulum swing somewhere else. And you've got to remember that life is always going to go like this. There's no way you can affect the pendulum of life. You can't. It's just how it is, right? But what you can do is how you allow that to affect you, right? And your truth. So some people end up getting consumed by the darkness and become darkness themselves, right? And they never enjoy the light anymore. And some people get so consumed with the light and attached to the light that they, at the moment the swing pendulum swings to the darkness, they have a nervous breakdown. The idea is to say, just to step away from the pendulum and just be centered. 
so that it doesn't matter where it, it what extreme it goes to you're always the same that's amazing Naraj, you have given us so many uh so many incredible thought-provoking ideas concepts um and I guess one of my final questions for you is if today was your last day and everything that you've done up to now, all of your courses, master classes, videos, podcasts, everything that you've done was to be erased with you. And all that you were left with was a piece of paper and a pen. And you could leave three truths for your loved ones for your friends and family to share with the world, what would those three truths be? Wow, it's a very deep question. Um, first one is know thyself, right? So we change all the time. Every year we're a new person, right? And who I am uh, when I was a kid is a completely different person to who I am today. So we're constantly changing and that's why it's always important to self-reflect and to constantly figure out who you are. That's the quest of the spiritual practice. Because through that, you can really learn about nature reality and yourself and how to stay in your element. But um, if you give up your who you are to somebody else and you just trust somebody else's opinion over yours and, you're, and you stop listening to that voice, uh, the, the true voice, the true thoughts within, um, what happens is you then become a product of somebody else's reality, right? And then they don't always have your best interests, and that's when you're going to get sick, depressed, and unhappy. So the more you can learn who you are and the more you can make better decisions to create the right results in your life, right? So know thyself. Um, second one would be... Um, the golden rule, do unto others as you expect to be done to yourself, right? That's like the golden rule that is basically the thread between all religion, right? It's like they all have that message uh, because when you do, when you follow that rule, society has structure and integrity, right? And actually another, purpose of spiritual practice is to turn selfishness, right, the sense of I, into integrity. Integrity is that, yes, you have, you take care of your own needs, but you also, your needs fit into a system of greater needs of the community. That's integrity. That's what integrity means, the strength of the system, where each individual component of that system is strong in itself, but then makes a stronger system collectively. So that's what we're all about, is turning selfishness, this just desire for self, greed, you know, um, gluttony, all these selfish desires, to turn them into um, acceptance, peace, uh, you know, generosity, um, basically connection, contribution, and all these other ways of living your life so but that comes from again know thyself you've got to really understand what it is that you really need and what really makes you happy and actually for quite a lot of people uh they feel the deepest sense of happiness when they've done something for somebody else and they yeah. and they felt like gratitude back from somebody 
like that is a profound feeling and not enough people feel that and experience that and the more you practice that selflessly right when i started off like my first business when i healed myself from this illness i did everything for free for, for a year i didn't charge a single thing but through that i got so much amazing feedback and testimonials that that then has now led to what we've got today you know and now it's maybe very abundant but for a long time i did nothing because i just wanted to give back give back give back to um to, to perfect my craft right too many people go for the money straight away right when you need to create value first mm-hmm. and you the more value you can bring the better your service is going to be ultimately and the more you can charge for it right but you need to do the work first. You need to contribute somehow first. You need to give back. And the more you give back, I, and this is maybe a third truth, right? the theory of karma, right? Is that when you give back, I believe you create these good karma points, okay? When you give back and you contribute without like, where your, your contribution far outweighs the, um, the value that you charge the amount that you charge right so so an example would be to create a company where the whole system of that company is designed to give back right profoundly way more than what's the price of the product right and when you create a system and the internet's an amazing i've got a broadband consciousness amazing way to spread good karma all around the world because you can automate systems you can meet you can reach millions of people at touch of a button it's never been possible until now and this kind of network effect if you can create that you multiply your good karma in the world right and what happens is you build up this spiritual currency in this universal bank right spirit consciousness i call it where you suddenly start to create a snowball of good karma right that rolls down and expands grows and what happens is you then start to get lucky like really lucky you get really synchronistic events coming into your life you just suddenly attract amazing people into your reality and you're like whoa and that suddenly you've got superheroes as your friend you've got like ceos of massive corporations as your buddies and clients and and your whole network changes into a very high vibrational network and and then quality of life improves, right? So, but it all started by giving back selflessly, just not expecting anything and just doing it because you genuinely want to help other people and solve core issues. So, yeah. I love that. I love that. Yeah. So, um, so know thyself, the, the golden rule, and then the theory of karma. And, and those are those are three perfect truths right there. So thank you so much for sharing that. And in saying that uh, about karma, my next question that I've, that I've got for you actually goes straight in line. And it's that I always try to give back as much as I can to all my guests that come on the show. So is there anything um, currently that maybe you're focusing on that I could possibly help you out with or, or possibly my listeners as well? Yeah, sure. So, well, obviously you can recommend um, joining our summer breath uh, classes and you can uh, uh, find our summer breath instructors um, on our uh, website. So 
definitely find one near you. The more um, our instructors are successful, the more successful we are. That's our mantra is we make our instructors as successful as possible. So that's the way. Direct your listeners to our instructors. Well, there you guys have it. Um, I highly encourage all you guys to check out the Soma Breath course. Um, I'm going to be doing it, and maybe we can all like join together and do it to, uh, do it online together, or do it through social media. Or you guys can just hit me up with with how it's um, how it's you know changing your life or or just affecting you guys. So that that'd be super cool. And in saying that as well, um, it'd be also super cool for you guys to connect with with um Niraj. so what might be the best way for someone to connect with you to reach out um is it social media your website or or what might just be the best way yeah yeah so i mean i'll give you all the links but um it would be our soma breath group on facebook definitely worth joining then we have um my instagram which you can find under my name Niraj Nate official we have the soma breath instagram um, and we have the website, somabreath.com, where you can find all of our courses and instructor training. Um, and that's about it. Awesome. And our YouTube channel, YouTube as well. Soma Breath okay. on YouTube. Very cool. Just Google, Google Soma Breath. I love that. Final question for you, uh, Niraj. What is your definition of awesome? Definition of awesome. Uh, the view right now from where I'm, I'm sitting. <laughs> I love that. My little... My little uh, I mean, this is my average perfect day right now. So my, I have this, we have this guided meditation called the average perfect day, which is awesome in itself, which helps you visualize and craft out um, your average perfect day. So a day which you can live with no limitations um, uh, for as long as possible, like a sustainable perfect day, not one where you go and blow a load of drugs in, uh, Las Vegas, but one that's sustainable and based on your true desires. So we help people to figure that out. And, um, and literally this, I'm living it right now. So, um, this is, this is awesome. That, that sounds awesome for sure. Thank you again. Uh, so very much for all of your nuggets of gold. This has been a truly thought provoking conversation. I have learned a ton and I can't wait to take part in the Soma breath, uh, course. And again, I highly encourage everybody out there listening to look it up, to check it out as well. Um, and I look forward to going along that journey with you all. And again, uh, Niraj, thank you so very much for your time. For anybody out there listening, if you guys got value out of this, which I most certainly think you you should if, uh, if you were paying attention as much as I was, uh, if you could please just share it out with one person. If you're going to take the course, maybe find a friend or a family member that you might want to do it with and just kind of help us share this message out with more people as we build our community and our collective as a whole. So thank you all for doing that. I'm Nick Troutman signing off, wishing you all an awesome day. Cheers. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.